lock and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. And greetings. Happy Friday. Welcome to the Steve Dace Show. Live and on demand, but let's be honest, not all that much in demand. I mean, who wants to line up to follow a Hall of Famer? We were like, I mean, we're pretty desperate for employment, so we'll do it. Somebody's got to do it. Somebody's got to do it. Yeah. I am Steve Dace. He is Todd Erzin. He is Aaron McIntyre. We will be joined by Blaze TV contributor Jill Savage here in a moment for the Dace Group. Let us know what you think about what we think via the SteveDace.com inbox. You can do that by emailing the show, Steve at SteveDace.com, D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Day Show. Look for us, though, on places that do not try to censor us, at least not yet. Look for Steve Dace on MeWe, Parlor and Gab at Steve Day Show on Getter. And then you can go look at clips of the show, including Aaron's brilliant Nell's Ladyman, uh, brilliant parody. Uh, that and more is available right now, free of censorship at Rumble.com slash Steve Day Show. Again, that's rumble.com slash Steve Day Show. One of the things I still get very often and frequently within the inbox are requests for information on how to treat COVID. That's why uh, we've got a new partner on the program here, Dr. Saeed Hader. He has treated literally thousands, thousands and thousands of COVID patients. Uh, this is all he's doing now is providing the treatment that so many other doctors are either blinded to or unwilling to give. And if you want to make sure that you're not the next person to uh, end up in an American hospital with a respiratory infection and then doesn't come out, um, take control of your health right now. Go to mygotodoc.com, mygotodoc.com. And here's the other thing too. He can help connect you with pharmacies that will fill those prescriptions of the medications that shall not be named, but we will. Uh, hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin that absolutely do work. He can help connect you with uh, pharmacies that will fill those prescriptions for you as well at mygotodoc.com. Coming up on the show today, next hour, we'll get to your feedback on a feedback Friday. But we begin, as we always do on a Friday, with today's group. Your weekly look at the week that was is underway as it always does with issue one, Bleep Lord Nefarious Says. Uh, I'm not going to assume your gender. It's ugly. Just a, I can imagine the ugly things that go through your mind and the thought, thoughts. I, I wouldn't want to live in your head for one minute. Very ugly. Do you go to work like that? Chad, how insensitive of you to think that I work. What's the argument against taking off masks in schools? Is the, is, is the spread low enough so that there's no dissemination or transmission in schools? And it's not the teachers transmitting to kids. Um, it's more kids and kids, particularly in elementary schools right now. I am a disabled American, and you think I can get up and go to work? I don't have that privilege. Black 
circumstances have changed, case counts are declining, also the science has changed. Responsibility should shift from a government mandate imposed from the state or the local district of the school. Rather, it should shift to an individual responsibility by the family. I want all of you to know that all of you that get up in the morning to an alarm clock and you guys have the privilege to actually get up and take a shower and get in your car and go to work. Do you have any idea what a privilege that is? Any idea, really? And then you're going to sit here and say, I bet you don't even have a job. Who are we to criticize China's human rights records when we have ongoing uh, attacks by the agents of the state against unarmed citizens and we've got assaults on the voting rights of, of our people of color in various states in this country? Come here and you just, I mean, this is rich. You actually come to a disabled woman's live feed and you, you mention employment and work. Well, let me give you my view of what happened January the 6th. And we're all, we're here, we're here. We, we, we saw what happened. It was a violent insurrection. No country has been held hostage to access to the sun. No country has been hostage to the wind. This is not just an energy and climate issue. It also is potentially the greatest peace plan that ever existed. Excuse me, I don't have the privilege of waking up to an alarm clock at 4 a.m. and driving to Los Angeles and working a shift and then coming home. I don't have that luxury of earning my own money. You make me sick. All right, let's get to it, uh, both because on this show, chivalry is not dead, but also because the guest always gets to go first. Jill, we ask you, first question, what in that montage most made you want to throw up in your mouth? Go ahead. <laughs> well, I think I'm actually going to start off a little angry at Aaron for putting the disabled woman uh, on the live stream in there so many times. We had to see her face coming back over and over again. But the thing uh, that makes me want to puke in my mouth the most, Steve, is still the way that people have been treating the children you saw in there. Uh, the Black Lives Matter protests there at uh, kindergarten. That's it's one of those things that you see over and over again how they use the children to to get what they want and and we saw already you know the masking in schools and and those are those are coming off and you see the the jubilation from the kids in school when they're told that hey tomorrow kids you don't have to wear the masks anymore and just the excitement that that these children have and and what these adults have been making kids do it makes me want to throw up in my mouth steve word todd you know what i'm gonna go because it's so it's in one particular segment there but it applies to everything in that segment and it applies to everything of the last two years and beyond it's the doofus cnn reporter i can't remember his name who's opposite uh liana wen and he doesn't say a word just nodding along listening but it's, it's and she offers no rationale yeah. for the gaslighting retconning yeah. of her position from just 72 hours yeah. ago. Yes. And we yeah. know every everybody else on that network, Tapper, Stelter, you know, they'll bud right in with something if they, if they want to uh, gaslight it, but just sitting there nodding, nodding, nodding. The we have no greater institutional enemy of the state and I know there's a rich cornucopia of selections we have. True. But there's no greater enemy of the state than our media. We, we, we can't 
get to a position like this in a society if we do have a legitimate press who who calls bs on everything and anything because it thinks that's its fundamental job but now we have to leave that to the comedians and joe rogan basically if we had a legitimate press it would be uh, short of our, our the great moral failings that we have just given up on but short of that a press that simply not only won't do its job but puts its thumb on every single scale is why we are here yeah we're, we're not we're not talking about incompetence this is this is malfeasance yes. this is malevolence and i i remember still you know uh, bristling several years ago when when trump called them the enemy of the people and thinking that was maybe self-serving and went too far and uh it ended up being uh easily the most prophetic thing said during his presidency maybe the most prophetic thing said by any american president since reagan said tear down this wall or called the soviets the evil empire aaron um i gotta push back on todd just a little bit there his overall point about the media is true I think he's being a little bit unfair to CNN's John Berman. I distinctly remember an interview that uh, Mr. Berman did with uh, one Yale epidemiologist, Dr. Harvey Risch, about hydroxychloroquine and how, and I believe Dr. Risch is a physician as well. He treated patients uh, with with hydroxychloroquine uh, for COVID. And and John Berman, Todd, I'll just, he had no problem fact checking uh, the good Yale epidemiologist there. So I think you're being a little bit too unfair in saying, um, you know, he never pushes back, you know, he did at least one time with one person for one thing. I think my favorite, um, favorite clip is that, what is it? J.A. Adonde? Is that his name at ESPN? I've never heard of the guy before. Yeah, I, don't, yeah, I don't know. Uh, just completely regurgitating, right. uh, CCP direct from Beijing, hot off the press talking points. Now, there may come a day where he might actually be right. But right just now, just not in the context. Just he not thinks. in the context. Yeah. He thinks. Yeah. So that is probably my, because it's not even, you know, if they were like really, if you could tell that he was really trying to think through this and trying to make, no, it was just like regurgitation. It was just straight up, let me swallow a bunch of CCP char- talking points right here. Um, basically whatever he fe- whatever news sources he reads basically that's what I'm guessing it is let me just uh, imbibe a bunch of CCP talking points and regurgitate them on the air for your viewing pleasure that that's basically what that was I'm it, that's my worst of the week because I'm offended because I, I expect a little bit better I expect a little bit better propaganda than that but apparently the the, the Chinese over there just think oh no the Americans will eat this 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 stuff up. Aaron, he's not only uh, an ESPN contributor, he's also a professor at Northwestern. So, of course, he has to come out with the Chinese talking points. I was actually going to ask you, Jill, because you have worked in uh, sports media full time far more recently than I. And so is that his name? And, And then you, of course already clarified that for us and then made us feel even more uh nauseous with by throwing in that of course he's a high-ranking member uh of academia within an elite academic institution of course right here in big 10 country todd chef's kiss but but can i i've i don't think i've ever done this because you guys know how much i love aaron's well there's a question i have about the tiktok videos sure all right are, are since you brought up shy propaganda isn't this this is Shycom software, right? It hasn't the military banned their own active military personnel from 
posting or using it, I believe, like that, for yeah. fear of it being, uh, you know, spyware of some kind, yeah. right? Okay. Are we sure? I mean, I, I know the you, there's this growing account on Twitter that is gaining a ton of fame, especially since Rogan started highlighting it a few months ago called Libs of TikTok, mm-hmm. right? Are, how, are we sure this isn't just a classic Marxist disinformation campaign of either originating or enticing the most dreadful elements of a society um, as and giving them a mainstream platform in order to further divide said society. You know what I'm saying? Oh, I'm certain that's what it is. Okay. Steve, I listened to an interview this week and they were saying exactly that, that in China, they prop up the the stories about engineering and science and things that are actually going to educate the Chinese youth on this platform. Mm -hmm. In America, they're trying to do the exact opposite. They are going to do the dumbest things, cat videos, the libs of TikTok, whatever they can to distract you and not educate you and make sure that your, your mind, your attention span is dealt with. In, in the the worst way possible, they they, they were talking mm. about exactly that this week. I, I'm certain it's I'm certain it's propaganda. I'm also certain that there prior to TikTok was no shortage of content from which to choose. That's true too. Uh, I've but I've never done this in the history of your Friday montages because they're genius. But for the first time, I think I'm going to go off the board. The video from the Nevada school district yesterday that I saw with the school children cheering and ripping oh, off their yeah. masks because the Democrat governor there is getting rid of indoor mask mandates. And and here's why that made me want to throw up in my mouth. If their parents had half the balls of a trucker convoy in another country, all right, they're, they're, those masks would have been removed from their kids' faces weeks, if not months ago. And this trucker convoy is putting all of us to shame, all of us to shame with how much we have complied with this and did not resist and did not push back. And, and we should be frankly ashamed and realize we have enabled to this to the point of collaboration to some degree. We have to take personal responsibility for allowing this to have happened for as long as it has. And the fact that it is still happening. We should take personal responsibility to that for some degree. We're not, we are not unilateral victims of a, of, uh, you know, a Karen governor of New York. All right. Or a complete limousine lefty, uh, in California. We are compliers with this. We are the enablers. We are enforcing this on ourselves and then our own children. And that should make all of us, frankly, throw up in our mouth a little. Let's get to the exit question on a scale with one of one to 10. With one being the odds Lindsey Graham lacks knowledge of horsepower, and 10 being the odds Lindsey Graham has carnal knowledge of manpower. Rate this week's rate this week's level of total depravity, Jill. 10. Todd. 10. Aaron. I'm like at an eight or nine. Wow. All right. Uh, before we get to issue two, let me tell you about our friends over at Masterworks. Have you guys noticed inflation's kind of high? Little bit. I mean, it's so high now not that even the very same media that you were talking about has to cover it now. Like they, they can't, 
they, they can't avoid it now. I mean, literally, they're going to the store and there's nothing on the shelves, okay? They have to cover the inflation as well. Oh, well, investors are selling their stocks like crazy right now and volatility is up like 50% over the last month. Uh, you can thank the threat of a coming interest rate hike announcement for that. It could even get worse. Uh, we've got major investment houses are predicting um, that uh, we could hit percentages beyond what we've ever seen in our lifetimes uh, in the next uh, year to come. So that's why you want to consider investing in alternative assets like Blue chip art, after all, art has a low correlation to the stock market, and blue chip art prices outpaced the S&P 500 by 164% over the last 25 years. And so diversifying with art is not new. The ultra-wealthy have done it for centuries, and now you can too with Masterworks. It's the alternative investment platform that lets you buy shares representing an investment in a multi in multi-million dollar paintings. Join over its 330,000 members and get priority access to Masterworks with this unique link, masterworks.io slash Steve. That, I mean, there's a reason, folks, why, uh, you know, high-end art thievery is one of the most lucrative theft rings in the world. This stuff is very valuable. All right, masterworks.io slash Steve. That's masterworks.io slash Steve. All right, let's get us to issue two. Democrats take the off-ramp. It's been about a month since we've been back from Christmas vacation, and the main question we've been begging on this show is this. Will Democrats take the exit ramp from COVID stand that the Omicron variant has provided? Well, it appears we have our answer. Yes. This week, the <clears throat> deep red states of California, New Jersey, Nevada, Connecticut, Oregon, Delaware, as well as cities like Minneapolis, St. Paul, and others announced they're dropping mask mandates in varying forms. Some of those states are still muzzling kids in school, but it is a stark contrast, obviously, to what we've seen to this point. High Priestess of the Branch Covidians, Dr. Leanna Wen of CNN, says the reason is very clear. And in this case, circumstances have changed. Case counts are declining. Also, the science has changed. In addition, the Biden administration, along with the Department of Health and Human Services, announced this week they're looking to change the way hospitalizations are calculated for COVID, seeking <clears throat> clarity on who's in the hospital for COVID and with COVID. As of February 2nd, COVID cases dropped nearly 50% from their peak in the middle of January, with that trend continuing over the past week and a half. Joe Biden's State of the Union speech is slated for March 1st. So, Jill, we've been discussing this, as Aaron pointed out in his montage, pretty much at length since we came back from Christmas break, because this was this did present the Democrats an opportunity to politically get out from underneath the weight of what this is doing to every aspect of our way of life without, in their minds, having to admit any culpability or an escaping total accountability if they could. But with their crazy branch Covidian base let them do that, right? That's kind of the conversation we've had here the last few weeks. So I want to start this topic with you because I want the audience to get a fresh voice on this. So let's start with this question, a, a true or false. Except for the jab tyranny, all other remnants of COVID stand will be all but gone for most Americans 90 days from now or less. Is that true or false? I'm going to go back to the beginning. Now, of course, your audience and everybody here, you all know what's happening in COVID stand. But the general public is who we're talking about right now. I think that the reason that we're here right now in February and we're allowed 
to talk about this uh, for for the mainstream media that it's actually on you know the CNNs of the world right now. If we go back to our, the, the last time I was on the Days Group when we talked about Aaron Rodgers coming through and, and, and punching through that media narrative, right? Nicki Minaj was out there trying to talk about it. Joe Rogan, we still see what they're doing to him. He's too fringe for too many people. But Aaron Rodgers was able to go through and change the narrative for the country. So because we've been allowed to, since November, talk about the fact that the jabs might not be working, and it, it, it created questions in people's minds. And for the first time, we're allowed to talk about it. Then you get the Barry Weisses going on Bill Maher every week and saying, hey, I did what you wanted me to do. And we, we were there. We were in COVID. We did everything. You have that. And it's, and it's been playing out over and over and over again. You look at the poll numbers. CNN had a poll of, of Biden's approval numbers. And they said that they approved of him. I have it here. The economy, 15 percent approval for Joe Biden. COVID, 6 percent. Mm-hmm. Personal traits, 4 percent. Foreign policy, 4%. Other issues, 2%. That is fatal for a presidency. Those kind of poll numbers coming back. I've never back. seen anything like that. Ever. And it's CNN, so you know they're trying to help him. Like, they, they are making those, like, the best numbers that they could possibly be <laughs> when they put those up on the screen. So you combine the fact with, the you know, Bill Maher and his audience, they're, they've all come around, right? So many people now have, have at least begun to question the narrative and the poll numbers, and then you see really what this is all about, why this week, why is this happening? You already talked about it. The Canadian trucker strike, right? We we see what they have been able to do, and it's like they took a hard turn off the road to serfdom, and they said, the elites, lords and ladies, we are not going to stand for this anymore. And it's the most refreshing thing that we've seen because the little guy never wins. This is finally a win for the little guy. We are taking some freedoms back and the elites are scared to see what happens if this is allowed to continue. I mean, they, the Democrats have to know, Jill, that because of what you pointed out about that trucker convoy, I mean, look how much it's disrupted Canada without any form of a federalism system or anything like that. If they descended on Washington, D.C. like that, the Virginia governor, Glenn Youngkin's not going to step in and say, hey, state of emergency. He's not going to do anything like that. I mean, what it would, the damage it would do to them, that's another reason why you're right. They have to accelerate the timetable to declare a win before they face their own trucker convoy. And then they're cornered like boy king Justin Trudeau is right now. I think that is exactly right. So what do you think, Todd, of what Jill had to say? Well, I think it, the premise is, is false. I don't think it will all be gone. I and mean, you're talking roughly mid-May. Uh, you, you clearly see with Weingarten in charge, and we see with Chicago schools, for example, that they, they just because she's, Jill's right, they're scared, but that, that fear causes them to hate and to be resentful and to never learn any lessons. Uh, so I think there will be school districts, uh, nothing short of Biden and company telling them to stand down will get them to stop at, uh, before the end of this school year, just to make a point. I also think, uh, and Steve, you said, and God knows, I hope you're right, airlines by then, I don't think so. Doctors' offices, hospitals, I don't think so. 
And also here, remember how much corporations, and Steve, you've diagnosed this many times, used to be big corporations, that's a right-wing thing. They've all gone to the left. I think we're going to be buying our uh, burritos from Qdoba and our subs from Subway and you know going to Target. I think those people are going to be locked down with masks uh, for as long as possible because those people who run those corporations are resentful uh, of the Canadian truckers. I I want to be absolutely wrong about all this. I, I think you are about almost everything you just said, actually. Please and, make and I, it so. And I hope that that's true. I, yeah, I, I, I should have exempted the medical establishment in my question. I forgot I, to do that. Okay. So if I restated the question, except I think, by the way, I think the mask will be gone in the Chicago schools by mid-May. I think, I absolutely think that this is all going to be gone in the next 90 days or less, with the exception of the medical stuff and the jab stuff. Now, I now could we see uh, school places like Chicago say masks go away if your kid is jabbed? It could tie into that. I could see that. Yeah. Aaron? Yeah, I think the medical, I mean, it's going to be years, I believe, if at all, before we ever go into a hospital or, or a clinic without uh, wearing a, a mask. For mainstream medical now, where I take, uh, where we take Ben, uh, there's alternative medicine out there, uh, places that you can go in without a mask right now, but mainstream medicine now. Um, I think that the airlines actually, we've actually had at least one, I think it was either Delta or Southwest. One of those no, they CEOs, both they, they both, yeah. they both basically said, uh, yeah, we're, we're, we're fine with getting rid of the masks now. So I think that could actually by the summer, by the time the summer rolls around, hey, they don't have to wear a mask on a on an airplane anymore. But feel free to go out and take that summer vacation wherever you want to go. I think that could definitely happen. And um, you know, I I think overall the answer to your your question is true. I think everybody, the vast majority of Americans, will be living as normal. I, I think places like New York, where Kathy Hochul actually extended the mask mandate for for kids. Um, you know, places like that, one, Democrats are never going to lose New York. They might lose some districts in upstate, but at the end of the day, I mean, uh, you're going to end up uh, giving up another, at least Stefanik. So I, I think places like New York largely don't matter, but you might see places, see Kathy Hochul and her ilk just get in line because they don't want to be the odd man or woman out of the party. So I think this is true within 90 days. And guys, just like last week or maybe a week and a half ago, I wasn't totally bought in on this. I, I am now. I am now. I think this is the year that COVID stand um, in its in its uh, most explicit forms kind of ends. But I agree with your stubbornness, to if, if, for no, to, if for no other reason, to remind us, Todd, about the zealotry of the spirit of the age that we are up against. Okay, I, so one of us probably always should be the contrarian uh, on these sorts of questions. I'm kind of Hawkeye on that question. Don't <laughs> okay. give me hope. All right. Exit question. If what taking the Omicron off-ramp does for Democrats' 2022 election prospects were a classic 90s grunge song. So the music your dad listened to, Chill. Uh, which classic 90s grunge song would it be? A, the greatest of all 90s grunge songs. Black Hole Sun, it's, as in it's still helpless for them. B, In Bloom. Things are definitely looking up or see down in a hole. It might improve their prospects to some degree, but they're in too deep of a hole. Aaron? I'm in C right now. Okay. 
Todd? I'm A with a big asterisk, and it's the one you put on it, Steve. It really has nothing to do with them. It has to do with what the Republicans do with that off-ramp. You were absolutely right about that. They can't on their own do anything, the Democrats, to get out of this. They screwed themselves that bad. But the Republicans sure as heck could bring them back into the game as an option just because we're bad. I mean, listen, the Republican Party's logo is not an elephant. It's a one-car accident. Okay, (laughs) that's what it is. Jill, what do you think? Which, Which option is it? I'm sticking with Aaron. I'm going C on this one. It's still helpless. It's it's set up for a historical wave, and uh, I think that it's it still might get a little better for them, but it's not going to get that much better. Okay. Folks, how much equity do you have in your home? Can you imagine a cyber criminal stealing that equity, and then you don't find out until it is too late? All those years of savings gone. Uh, the crime is called home title fraud. It's one of the fastest growing crimes in the country, which is why you need to go to HomeTitleLock.com, America's leader and home title protection, because here is the problem. The deed to our homes is the only document that really proves we own it. Uh, and then those deeds are often kept online these days, which makes can make them vulnerable to scammers and hackers. In minutes, one of them that's really good at this can forge your name off the deed of your home and then refile as the new owner. It is not just a plot in a movie. This stuff actually happens. I've walked through the process myself to see how easy it is and then how easy... My own signature was to forge. Uh, That depressed me. Uh, So uh, make sure, because your homeowner's insurance, your mortgage lender can't protect you. So make sure you get the protection you need right now at HomeTitleLock.com. They'll give you the peace of mind you're looking for by putting a virtual barrier around your home's title. So that the instant they detect any nefarious activity, they will mobilize to shut it down. Again, you want to head, well, pardon me, head to HomeTitleLock.com. Rick Majerus moment. That is HomeTitleLock.com. Dot com. All right. When we get back here after the break, we mentioned that inflation. It is absolutely out of control. We are in the Jimmy Carter era of inflation right now. Uh, Jill and Aaron have never seen this in their lifetimes. You and I can barely remember it, Todd. Mm-hmm. We will discuss how do we get out of this or can we next? You know, these days we don't have too many options uh, to do business with those who share our values and aren't uh, doing what they can to try and tear them down, which is why when that option presents itself, uh, take full advantage of it. And, you know, pretty much all of us these days need a mobile phone for something uh, to function as an American. So why not make the switch to Patriot Mobile? Our family did back in October And we waited too long, frankly, and a lot of it was just laziness. I'm sure maybe some of you can identify. It's a big hassle. We have to move multiple lines. Uh, Are we really going to see no drop in coverage? What if we do? We didn't see any drop in coverage. I've got the exact same network I had with T-Mobile for 20 years. Uh, And even went ahead and said, hey, this is going so seamless. We're overdue to upgrade a couple of phones, mine included. So why don't we take care of that as well? So I can tell you firsthand, they will take care of you. At Patriot Mobile, make this process as seamless as they possibly can. If you're a veteran or first responder, they'll give you extra discounts as a way of saying thank you for your service. For the rest of us, they're running specials all the time. Like right now, you can get a free activation when you use my last name, Dace, as your offer code at PatriotMobile.com slash Dace. PatriotMobile.com slash Dace, America's only pro-America 
mobile phone provider. PatriotMobile.com slash Dace or give them a call at 972-PATRIOT. Let's welcome back in Blaze TV contributor Jill Savage here as we continue on with the Dace Group, our weekly look at the week that was. Let's get to issue three now, inflation deflation. Last July, Joe Biden made this promise regarding the then alarming rate of inflation. Our experts believe, and the data shows, that most of the price increases we've seen are, were expected and are expected to be temporary. This week, nearly seven months later, the inflation rate hit a 40-year record high of 7.5%. Here's what Joe Biden had to say to NBC. I think it was back in July you said inflation was going to be temporary. I think a lot of Americans are wondering what your definition of temporary is. Well, you're being a wise guy with me a little bit. Uh, and I understand that's your job. But look, uh, at the time, what happened was the... Uh, Let's look at the reasons for the inflation. And the reason for the inflation is the supply chains were cut off. The Federal Reserve is expected to raise interest rates next month. It looked like Joe Biden was about 10 seconds from saying, hey, boy. It was a bit of an uppity question there, right? Yeah. Had to stop himself. A little self-edit there on that one. Yikes. Wow. Um, let's get to the first question. Todd, I'll start with you. And it's a multiple choice, and there's two options. Managed decay or malevolent incompetence? Yes. Listen, for a long time, there's been vestiges of the latter. And it's basically about the they hate us so much that whatever we want, they will do the opposite of. So, you know, a healthy economy... Uh, all, all, all boats rising with the tide, uh, low tax rates, you know, th that you had to be against them uh, as the other. But it was just more reactionary. And those who would be the former on this one were a, a smaller, less powerful lot. And to really get their jam on, they had to go out at, you know, World Economic Forum, you know, at the, when the G7 get together and, you know, light Paris on fire. But now... Those people have a lot more control. And so it is definitely grown into being more dictated by managed decay. That which is what we talk about when we talk about the Great Reset, which mm -hmm. goes beyond economics. Mm -hmm. But this, they are absolutely trying to uh, third world us in all ways, because if we are uh, helpless, if we are economically destitute, we will reach out to the teeth of the great mother government to take care of us in our squalor and our ineptitude. So it's definitely drifting more and more from the latter, which still exists and fuels the whole thing, to the former. Same question to you, Aaron. Managed decay or malevolent incompetence? Yes, but I, I, would, I, I actually... Um, I actually am leaning towards the latter, malevolent incompetence. They will do just enough to keep their their constituencies, whatever main constituency that is, they will do just enough to keep them just comfortable enough to go along with whatever they want to do for just long enough. It's the frog in the boiling kettle. So I'm still leaning towards the malevolent side of this overall. But I think it's a little bit of yes right now. I, I think this White House, um, I, I think it's it's incompetent right now. I think they really believed. I think they really believed after cutting trillions upon trillions upon trillions upon trillions of dollars 
in the American Rescue and Recovery Plans and the stimuluses and all that stuff. I think they really believed that the that the inflation that they were saying seeing back last summer was actually temporary. I really believe that they thought that. So that is to me that's a little bit of incompetence, but uh the malevolent is is where I'm I'm leaning right so now. So they weren't listening to their buddy, former Twitter CEO Jack Dorsey, who just tweeted out hashtag hyperinflation out of nowhere about eight months ago. You remember that? Yep. All right, Jill, what do you think? Same question to you. Managed decay uh, or malevolent incompetence? Yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be all of the above, but if I had to go with one, I would say it would be managed decay. Now you heard Joe Biden say there uh, in that NBC clip that we have supply chain issues, and of course, yeah, what's the definition of inflation? Is too much money chasing too few goods. So supply chain crunch, of course, that's one half of the equation, but that's not the biggest part. Aaron mentioned it. They they increased the money supply by forty percent since COVID started. You can't go through and print endless amounts of money. They they have done this much longer than anybody thought they would, they would be able to. But now you're paying the price. At some point, that check is going to be due. And, and we are seeing that right now. And what's Biden trying to do? Through, throughout that NBC interview, he was saying, oh, we need to pass my $2 trillion spending bill. The Build Back Better plan isn't mm-hmm. going away. It's adding gas to the already created fire. And what Todd was saying, they're going to do just the bare minimum, which is going to be a rate hike at their next meeting in March. You're going to see them do that because they have to show that they're trying to do something. But if it's inflation or deflation, the government has to win in this and it's inflation because if the government has deflation we have 30 trillion dollars in our national debt at some point the math doesn't work you won't be able to pay the interest on the debt at at some point down the road and and guys it's going to be them or us and they're always going to choose them that, that is going to come out as the winner i mean that's a homily right there that's exceedingly well said and if you look at i mean if, if i and i man i just had the percentage and i can't remember what it was but there is like a not insignificant percentage of all dollars that have ever been printed by the U.S. Mint have just been printed in the last 23 months since the first time that they did this um, on a smaller scale. But we all warned at the time because what have I always said? Bad Republicans always lead to worse Democrats, right? So remember it was, you know, Thomas Massey versus the world. Uh, he was going to make them vote on the first time they did this with Trump in the early shutdowns, right? And everything he warned about with that the precedent that would set, the stage that was set, that's all the stuff now that Jill just addressed. And if you look at if you look at where all this goes, you look go, I mean, look at where they've had total democratic control unchallenged with a major population base. New York and California. And you can see where this is going to go if it if 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 no alternative is provided to challenge it politically. You get to a situation where we'll have rent control, like in New York, all right? And so that actually doesn't bring the cost of rent down. You know, even a few years ago when I was looking at maybe getting a job doing drive time in New York, I mean, I was going to get paid a heck of a lot of money for that job. We couldn't afford to live in, still couldn't afford to live in the city. So, or even in Brooklyn. So we were going to have to live in, in New Jersey and I was going to train for hours a day. Um, and, and so that you hear some talk already about price controls along those kinds of lines. Nixon tried this in the, in the mid seventies in response to an inflationary spike. Uh, you look at California, you artificially inseminate wages. So people are making all kinds of money, right? 
You guys ever watch those home improvement shows on TV? Almost all of them until, you know, the Baylor couple came along. Almost all of them take place where? What state? California. California. Almost all of them take place in California. You guys ever see what the, those houses cost? We renovated this 1,300 square foot ranch uh-huh. that yeah. built in 1955. All right. And it was originally worth 785 grand. Do you know what I could, how I could live in, in Iowa for 700 with a $785,000 yeah. house? I'd live like Glenn Beck, guys. I'd, okay. Where my next door neighbor formerly was Ross Perot before he passed away. <laughs> That's what I'd be doing. I'd be living in the gated community here. Okay. And now we renovated the house and it's worth 1.3 million. And it's a house that like I wouldn't buy in my own suburban Des Moines neighborhood. That's where this goes unchecked because if, if when you keep kicking the can down the road, am I wrong? It looks like New York and no. California. No. Jill, I'll give you the last word on that. Cause I like what you had to say before. Go ahead. I, I just look at this and, and it's a problem of we we have we have gone through and we've been told for so long that printing money isn't going to lead to any bad outcomes. Right. We, we see the the MMT, the modern monetary policy, all of it that we've been told. It's all a lie. And at some point you have to pay the bill. And that's that's what's going to be coming down the road. And inflation isn't going to be getting any better anytime soon, because, again, the, the answer for the government to get out of this is to inflate the money away. So, guys, it's it's not going to get any easier uh, soon. Exit question. 60 days from now, will the overall economic outlook be improving worse or about the same? Jill. With uh, with the answer that I just laid out, I'm going to go with it's going to continue to get worse before it gets better. Todd. And worse, yes, probably by playing us for suckers again. We talked about this maybe a month ago, rumors that there was going to be another stimulus. Yeah. You don't think they're gonna not going to try that? Just I could see Chris them try Santa to roll Claus that, money? especially yeah. right, right before the election. Yep. And there's a reason why I timed this question 60 days and the previous question of the COVID restrictions 90 days. Because I, I, what, I, what I think, Aaron, what's your answer on this one? Uh, I would say it will get worse, yeah. See, I think we all were going to agree that it was going to be the same or worse, which means no real huge um, improvement. And that, to me, retroactively impacts the previous question that I asked, which is another reason why they're going to have to do this. Otherwise, they're looking at the kinds of things that lead to things, maybe you know, boxer and whiskey rebellions, not just trucker convoys, if you know what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. All right, let's get to issue four. It is our kicker question, since we've got the sports gal here. And plus, we're all sports people. I'm even wearing my Jimmy Plunkett Super Bowl 15 era throwback, officially licensed here today. So let's get to the issue four. Make your Super Bowl 56 pick and why, Aaron, go. I think the Chiefs and the Bengals proved last year and this year you can make it to the Super Bowl with a subpar offensive line. I think the Chiefs proved last year you're probably not going to be able to win it with a subpar offensive line. Mm. Eventually, that's going to come back and bite Cincinnati. So I'm going, and the Rams seem like they're on a mission right now. Their strength is their front four. I mean, their defense, their entire defense is their strength, but their strength is their front four. So I'm going to go Rams 28, Bengals uh, 17. Especially when you've got two Hall of Famers sitting there. Yeah. And one of them still kind of in his prime, and the other one definitely is. And you just play. You just take those other seven guys and just play straight up. You don't have to expose people. And it's not as if you mind putting Jalen Ramsey on an island, nope. right? But that's a good that's good analysis there by you. All right. What do you think, Todd? I basically agree with that. I, I think 
because we could end up seeing the legend of Joe Burrow and one of the greatest Super Bowls of all time, him driving it down. If the Bengals win, it's going to be something like that. But didn't, I mean, they won in spite of them. Didn't Joe Burrow get like sex seven times? A nine. Couple, oh, was it nine okay. times? And they managed yeah. you see, and, and this Rams defense can also do that to the Bengals. I think they probably will. I think the luck is probably run out and I think the Rams probably win by two touchdowns. Uh, what about you, Jill? Are you a believer in the Bengals? No, these guys have been all stealing my thunder, though, because I was going to come in and say Joe Burrow is the most sacked quarterback coming into the Super Bowl. He's been sacked 15 times in the postseason. That's crazy. And it comes down to Aaron Donald is going to be the best player on the field. You look at that that Rams defensive line. Man, Joe Burrow, does he finish the game at that point? When when you look and see that he was sacked nine times against the Tennessee Titans and the, the Rams are going to be able to put together much better uh, offensive capabilities out there on the field. So it's funny. I, I have it written down, but Aaron, I'm going 27-17 for the Rams. I agree with all your analysis, but the one scenario where the Bengals win the game is Joe Burrow gets the last say with the ball. Yep. Okay. Yep. If I'm the Rams, to me, I think the Rams either win comfortably yes, to exactly. considerably or lose, is what I think. Like, I don't think this is a Matthew Stafford comeback at the end. I think it's Joe Burrow doing that comeback at the end, or the Rams were pretty much in control most of the game. Let's get to our predictions, Todd. The Iowa legislature is on par to have the most memorable, successful, um, impactful term in the amount of time Steve and I have been paying attention. The bills that they have on the floor and have the momentum in terms of uh, school choice, uh, saving uh, girls' uh, sports. uh, 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 Getting rid of the state income tax, the flat tax. There's a state income tax, uh, medical uh, autonomy and uh, privacy, getting porn out of the schools. They all have a real chance of winning. I mean, this will be memorable and the standard for Republicans for all time. Wow. How about optimism from this guy? Yeah. The Biden White House in sometime this spring facing even worse poll numbers than they are right now will elevate somebody like a Pete Buttigieg to a made-up position and basically put him out there as potentate of and spokesperson of the United States at least for the rest of this year. I could totally see that. I could totally see that. Jill, go ahead. I'm going back to football, and I'm going to go with uh, Aaron Rodgers will be with the Tennessee Titans because of the fact that Tennessee is only a quarterback away from actually making it into a Super Bowl and the fact that the AFC South is going to be considerably easier to win than the AFC West. Oh, that's an interesting, uh, especially with his OC going to Denver and everything mm-hmm. else. All right. Uh, I'm going to predict there is a better chance that Ron DeSantis will challenge Trump for the 2024 nomination than he will be Trump's running mate in 2024. I just... There's a pattern with Donald Trump. He likes to to surround himself with strong-willed women, does not like to surround himself with strong-willed men. And I, I just can't see him putting on the ticket a guy who, are to at least some segment of, of his own base, is it a third of him? Is it a fifth of him? Is it 20%, 40, 10, 15? It's not one. It ain't, you know, it's not an insignificant portion of his base. He overshadows Trump with some significant portion of Trump's base, I just cannot see Trump's ego permitting that. So I think there's a better chance DeSantis will challenge Trump than be his running mate in 2024. I don't disagree. Jill, great job. Really, really brought it this week. Appreciate it as always. All right, take care. Have a good weekend. You too, guys. You bet. We'll come back. It'll be your turn when we do. Feedback Friday coming your way. Stay tuned.
with Hour 2. We are live and on demand here on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. I am Steve Dace. No, I'm not Jim Plunkett, who should be in the NFL Hall of Fame. I'm just wearing his jersey. He is Todd Erzin. He is not Aaron Rodgers. He is Aaron McIntyre. He is not Pat Mahomes. And tell us who you are not by emailing us, steve at stevedace.com. That's D-E-A-C-E. You can like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Day Show. Uh, look for us as well on MeWe Parlor Gab and at Steve Day Show on Getter. And then get clips of the show over at rumble.com slash Steve Day Show as well. Those of you that are podcast listeners, thank you so much. We appreciate you. You're a big part of this uh, show's continued growth and success. Please, if you've yet to do this, leave us a five-star review. Hit subscribe or follow. Uh, whichever applies and who knows you might be able to leave even more five star more than one five star review let's you know the motto of the show this year is let's find out Mm -hmm. let's find out if you can we're that desperate for affirmation thank you to all of you that have done that for us already you've played uh, a part in helping to uh, promote the show to the all-powerful skynet level of algorithms that now run our lives so thank you for contributing to our social credit score all right we'll get to feedback friday now brought to you by who else Built Bar, the greatest protein bar of all time. I just delved into one of my favorites. They debuted last year, the Ruby Chocolate Puff from 2021. That is still, uh, I think, the best flavor other than the pumpkin one uh, of the Built Bar Puff that I have tried. All of their flavors are so good because they're all covered in real chocolate, loaded with flavor, not loaded with carbs or calories or sugars. As Aaron likes to say, he cannot believe These things are 130 calories. You won't believe it either. You've never had a protein bar this good. And I haven't mentioned this in a while. Let me reiterate. Easy on the tummy. That's not always the case when you uh, get into the meal replacements or supplements or things of that nature. All right. So go to built.com, B-U-I-L-T for built.com and use the promo code DACE when you're there at the checkout to get 15% off your order. Promo code DACE for 15% off at built.com for Built Bar. All right, let's get to it here um, on a Feedback Friday. Steve, I'm 66 years old with autoimmune disease, and only the first two and a half days of having COVID were hard for me. My temp hit 102.5. It gradually came down. But today, day five so far, no fever and the headaches are gone. My husband is 73, and he had open-heart surgery three years ago, and his case was so mild. Fever never got above 99, and his only symptoms were tiredness and cough. We've been taking the frontline COVID critical care protocol for over a year now, and we have our ivermectin from 7cells.com, which we started taking immediately, so we were ready. I want you to know that we credit your show for do, for us doing so well. I know that you guys have been crushed by the terrible stories from people that didn't get these meds uh, and, and, and what's happened to them. I cannot even imagine it. So I wanted to share with you a good story. Thank you for giving us all the information we needed to educate ourselves uh, so that we were prepared for what laid ahead. Uh, and that is from, uh, that's from Camille. I want to share this one. I can find it here from, where is it in my inbox? You know what? You guys keep emailing me so many times now. I can't find all this stuff. Here it is. Not that I'm complaining because I keep telling you every day to email me. Uh, this is from Sean Gill, who says, my mom is 76 years old, diabetic, Uh, emphysema. She got COVID, had a heavy chest, severe sore throat, chills, very tired. 
Uh, she got a hold of Dr. Molly James's clinic. Prescribed they prescribed her the nebulizer breathing treatments with budenicide, hydrogen peroxide, HCQ, ivermectin, HCQ for hydroxychloroquine, ivermectin, and an and, and, and an antibiotic. One week later, she's doing fine and hoping for a full recovery. Thanks, Steve. Your show likely saved her life. And this from Greg, uh, from Greg Russell. After two years of living life as normal as was possible, I finally got COVID. And when I say normal as possible, I mean it. Barely anything in my life changed that I had any amount of control over. Uh, I fully expected to get COVID and was starting to wonder if I had gotten and remained maybe asymptomatic. That proved to not be the case. I contracted a rather nasty case of it, a downright hateful one. For 13 days, I lay in the bed feverish. Nothing would help. I couldn't breathe. I could barely move. Walking was almost impossible as I would get extreme vertigo when I would try to stand. I got really exhausted and was starting to wonder what I was going to do as a visit to the hospital given what we know about that, seemed out of the question. I actually wondered a few times if I was going to pull through this at all. And then I remembered one of your sponsors, Seven Cells. My wife ordered the ivermectin protocol for me. Now listen to this. Literally in less than 24 hours, I was turning the corner on this thing. The turnaround was unbelievable, miraculous even. I could literally feel this thing dying inside of me. For 13 days, I had run a fever of at least 100 to 101. Nothing I did helped. However... In less than 24 hours of starting their protocol, my fever was 100% gone. Body aches, gone. My lungs are still recovering, but I can feel the insane improvement each and every day. I don't know what I would have done if it hadn't been for you guys' show telling us about places like this. It literally saved my life. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. So here's why I wanted to share a few of these. Because and you guys know, man, I am not I am not comfortable with uh, positive reinforcement. I'd I'd rather get more notes of people yelling at me like that that gal did yesterday. I'm much more much more comfortable with that. But I I I wanted to share these emails because I wanted us to be reminded as they attempt to retcon this thing now. As they as, as as COVID stand goes, Homer Simpson backing into the bushes gif. Now you've got Anthony Fauci saying, now, earlier this week it was, well, we've I think reached the 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 end of the pandemic phase of this. Yesterday, here we said yesterday. We're entering into a phase now where individuals will kind of make for themselves for themselves decisions what? on what, you know, is best for them. That's what he said yesterday. You're watching Homer Simpson here retreat. Into the bushes. All right. Get your hedge clippers. Yes. And go after them. Yes. I don't, I don't want us to forget because I could have shared a lot more of these notes for the last few months. If this was about, you know, even, even saying thank you to seven cells or Molly James or Dr. Hader or Peter McCullough or uh, Dr. Zelenko, all the people you've heard us talk about or had on the show, I would have shared emails like this with you for months. We've gotten emails like this all the time. But, you know, I'm the kind of guy that, you know, the losses sting more than the wins, um, you know, bring adulation. It, the, the emails from the people who didn't get access to these treatments just hurt much more than even the celebratory ones that I just shared with you. Here's why I chose, though, this week to finally share just a few of these, because I do get these a lot in 
And so, and they do help to encourage me. So thank you for sending them. But I wanted all of us to remember here as they try to retcon this son of a gun. Never again. They lied about everything. They killed hundreds of thousands of people that didn't have to die. And this is still going on, just not at the rate it has been or as acutely as it was pre-Omicron. I mean, we have a story up at the Blaze today about the South African scientist who is said to have discovered the Omicron variant's attenuation or uh, the fact that it was milder and that she was pressured by European politicians to not report this information. These bastards need tried and hung, hung from their necks on camera, just like we did those goose steppers in Germany, those jackbooted goose steppers in Germany when they tried this in a different century. I desperately want our way of life back, and it really has not much to do with convenience. I mean, we've, we had no stay-at-home order in Iowa by the middle of May 2020, pretty much the entire state was reopened. You could go to restaurants and bars and movie theaters. The, the hours might be limited. Maybe you wore a mask. I mean, but by middle of May 2020 here in Iowa, other than, you know, masks ebbing and flowing, we've pretty much been back to normal here. I mean, we were doing, we were having outsiders come in for high school sporting events in June or July. You know that better than even I do. Yeah. So this isn't about, I want this to end from a convenience standpoint. I want it to end from a suffering standpoint. My, my life has not been that inconvenienced by COVID, frankly, over the last, I'd say, 18 or 19 months. Right. Fair. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's it's been annoyed by masks until most of last year, but that was the biggest annoyance. No, I want the suffering to end. Because one more day of this needless suffering is a damnable thing. But as it ends, and it is in the process to some degree of ending. Somebody asked me the question the other day on Twitter. Steve, when do you think an enemy becomes a friend? The biblical model is there must be a reckoning. In order to produce accountability slash repentance. And then when that is satisfied, then there is redemption or restoration. And that's when an enemy becomes a friend. Best example is the cross. While we were his enemies, Christ died for us. While we were God's enemies, God sent his son to the cross on our behalf. The reckoning still had to happen, right? There still had to be an accountability. Now, God in his infinite mercy took that accountability ultimately upon himself. But that accountability had to be satisfied nevertheless. There is, and that's what the cross is. It's the reckoning. The resurrection is the redemption, the restoration. All things are now new. That that reckoning has happened. That wrath has been satisfied. That debt has been paid. Allowing those around us and those whom we empowered to walk away from this with all this blood on their hands 
and still live among us is at Nuremberg, where Argentina, we just let the Nazis settle here, had escaped. No. There must be a reckoning. There must be an accountability. And then people will be given the chance to repent of what they did or not. And then there will be some people that will be so guilty of what went on here, like Anthony Fauci. Repentance, while accepted, still will not avoid the accountability. There's no longer condemnation in Christ, but there are still consequences. Jesus is flanked by two criminals on the cross, and one of them bears witness to his lordship. Jesus doesn't say, hey, you should be freed. Come down from that cross. No. In fact, he even says, I deserve the punishment. The capital punishment I'm getting right now, one of those criminals says, I deserve it. And so you know what Christ lets him do? Suffer it. Now. Now. Once that consequence is sufficiently atoned for, he does say, today you will be with me in paradise. But not until this is this atonement's done, buddy. No. You're right. You do deserve to be hung up here. So we're going to let that thing run its course because you uh, don't do the time, you know, don't do the crime if you can't afford the time. There must be consequences. And they must be severe and they must be harsh. Otherwise, this just retreats below the surface. It stays. It lingers. like a roaring lion seeking whom it may devour, waiting for the right time to come above board and run it back. Nope. No. There must be punishment. An example must be made. Otherwise, more examples will be made of us in the future. It'll just be called something other than COVID. Any thoughts on that before I move on? Well, as I said, get your hedge clippers. Uh, Steve said it eloquently. I'll say it more um, brutally. It, it, it's about justice. Don't, I, don't, I'm tired. Don't, I just want to go back to normal. No, don't, can't we all just get along? Nope. They won't let you. If you don't do this... If you don't not, do not enact true justice, something worse than COVID is coming, and it's coming quick. This must be done. Agreed. You know, every we, every day, every day, if we're not building, if we're not building up Truckistan to replace Afghanistan as the graveyard of nations, we have blood on our hands as well. If we're the ones who are empowered or have the power to cajole the people who are empowered to exact justice on those who have, who have harmed, killed, maimed countless lives, not just in our country. If we don't do everything that we can, then don't we have blood on our hands too? Mm-hmm. Isn't that an extension mm-hmm. of that? Mm-hmm. 
that should be the number one issue. That should be up there with the life issue. I mean, this is a life issue. As far as close hands, Senator so-and-so, Representative so-and-so, Governor so-and-so, will you pledge right now to hold those who have inflicted this upon us accountable for their actions by holding public trials? And if the answer is "Eh, anything other than yes, I will do that, then they're not fit for your vote. That's the standard that we have to have at least with the people who are empowered to do something. The rest of the time, we're Truckistan, man. We're just, if we need to be, we will bring you to your knees. Nicole in Texas, remember the note we got last week on a lighter note? The note we got last week from the gentleman who said, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm in danger of losing my wife to Steve Dace, right? <laughs> yes. But could you at least throw in some Midwestern meat if that happens in, in exchange, right? Sure. Nicole in Texas writes that Stephanie Chick in Florida can have you, Dace. Todd is mine, especially when he gets pissed off. <laughs> <laughs> That's Nicole in Texas. You're lucky because I'm angry all the time yes. these days. Yes, he's always angry. Yes. Uh, Ferris says, I was wondering if you could touch upon COVID-19 infection and reinfection, given your own experience with being reinfected as, as not being previously vaccinated and people like Dan Bongino, who are previously vaccinated, who is a, who was earlier battling, he says, apparently is battling a reinfection that actually happened a couple of months ago. He's not now, but sure. Ferris. And, and this is going to be really layman, man. Okay. Cause And I'm going to explain this in a way that is going to make those of you in this audience who know this stuff and and do it professionally cringe, right? Because I'm I'm not going to know like all the technical terms. Forgive me. I didn't get into this business to talk about this stuff and never thought I was ever going to have to. All right. I've studied more on biology and physiology and science and immunology and virology in the last 23 months than I have in the uh, the previous 46 years of my life combined. Okay, but this is the best that I can understand it. And I know that there are ways that will I'll just preemptively admit disclaimer. There are better ways and smarter ways for sure to explain what I'm about to say. But maybe this might help a lot of people get it because I'm dumb at this. And so I'm going to make it as absolutely benign and vapid and uh, shallow as, as possible. Okay. My understanding of how the laws of immunology works is that when a virus attenuates to become more infectious and therefore less lethal, that's typically the trend. And that's what had so much, so many of us concerned last year with Delta is we saw something that is not a scientific precedent. It got more infectious and lethal together. That's not how this is supposed to historically work, which is why a lot of us looked at, well, then what are the external factors that could cause that to happen? Is something different happening? Well, yeah, we are injecting a bunch, millions and millions and millions of people with a subpar vaccine product that isn't a vaccine because it doesn't inoculate it doesn't prevent you from getting infected and so therefore and and i know in your line in in your corner of the world they call this vaccine shedding sometimes it's referred to as um, antibody dependent enhancement or uh, antigenetic escape and those terms can all mean different things but they kind of describe a very similar phenomenon 
which to varying degrees has those that are jabbed getting a higher viral load because they have a weak vaccine product that doesn't block, doesn't produce antibodies that block the infection, but bind it together instead. And can and, and some and most of the time when this happens, it actually makes the jabbed sicker. This is what Fauci was talking about with Mark Zuckerberg in 2020 about why they couldn't rush a COVID vaccine because they tried to do this with an HIV vaccine and it made those with HIV not have HIV get it and those with HIV getting it even worse. Okay, if you don't have a vaccine that can that can absolutely block produce antibodies that block a virus, you are from a smallly evolutionary natural selection standpoint very much in danger of strengthening that virus in contrast. Not because the vaccine makes the virus stronger, but it's the analogy I gave a few weeks ago when somebody asked about this. If I go to a CrossFit and I can only do like two or three pull-ups and a guy who can do like 30 of them does them next to me, all right? Now, he could do 30 of them before I arrived to show I could only do two or three, but you weren't comparing him to somebody else. He was just doing 30 in a vacuum, mm-hmm. right? So you were like really impressed with that. But then if we're like in a competition together and I can only do two or three, but he can do 30, it looks, he looks even stronger now, sure. right? And so it's not that the virus is getting stronger. It's that the virus and the antibodies the vaccine produce are vying for supremacy within this habitat. And so if the, if the, if the vaccine that, the, that is produced cannot, cannot generate antibodies that weaken that virus to the point of inoculation, then that virus, by comparison or contrast, gets stronger. And then what happens is the antibodies end up binding these, uh, the, the, the virus instead of blocking it, and then you end up infecting more people with it. That's what I believe we saw last year with Delta, where Delta was worse. It got worse. So traditionally, though, what you see happen, and again, I know that there's better ways and more technical ways to explain this, guys. So forgive me, okay? But in in a traditional setting, the trade-off of a vaccine, of a virus that attenuates and is now milder in terms of lethality, but more... Um, more contagious the the tr- the trade-off in the in 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 our in the natural realm is it, therefore your your natural immunity from an antibody st- standpoint doesn't have to be as robust because it's not an immediate danger remember in 2021 you heard people on talk shows and people around the country were constantly getting their antibody levels tested mm-hmm. well you know i like i had my antibody levels tested in at the end of may last year after I know I had an infection, to verify that I did. I didn't get them tested in June, July, and August to make sure my antibody levels were still strong. Why? Because if your body maintained active antibody levels for every infection that you were or contagion that you were exposed to, we'd all walk around like the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man, just... Okay, what happens is your body stores a memory of that infection in what's called your T-cells. That's like your immunological cloud system, if you will. All right? And so... What happens when a virus attenuates or diminishes its capacity for lethality, but becomes more infectious? The trade-off is your body now doesn't feel the need to keep producing as many robust uh, antibodies to, uh, up against something that it doesn't 
view any longer as an existential level of threat. This is why you can get the flu every year. This is why you can get a cold every year. Okay. Now, again, I know there are better ways to explain this that are probably more sufficient, um, that are more precise and, and fancier. And I know I'm usually the one using like a lot of big words, but I'm way out of my element here because I had the same question, tried to research the answer. And then I knew you guys were going to ask me this. And so I tried to, how's, how, because I'm really stupid here. So let me try to explain this as dumbly as I can. All right. And that's what I'm doing here. But is what I'm saying making any sense here at all? This is actually the, the natural progression of the, of the, of, the, of how immune immunity works in, in, you know, from the dawn of the creation of our species. Viruses attenuate, then they become more infectious. They go from pandemic to endemic, which means like seasonal, all right? And then your body doesn't feel the need. Um, like if there was like a super flu, you know, that came around, there was a super bug, your body would absolutely probably go into your T cells and say, all right, man, this ain't the normal seasonal thing we're used to seeing here. We got to up the ante. All right. But there's, that's the reason why you can get a flu and a cold every single season. Okay. Even though you just had it last year, but why don't I have natural immunity anymore? Plus these things mutate to different strains to avoid your natural immunity. But that balance is how we've survived as a species for thousands of years. Does it make sense? Oh, not only did I smoke an imaginary cigarette while you were speaking, but you have now officially earned your uh, anti-vaxxer <laughs> merit badge and t-shirt. And not because... It's a Bobcat badge. It's a Bobcat. I want everybody to know that. Not right? because... Bobcat no, badge. No, no, you're going straight to Weebelow. No, straight I'm not. To, no, no, I'm definitely not a Weebelow yet. It's just a Bobcat. We, we, at the very least, it's a wolf, but I promise you it's a Bobcat. Go ahead. But uh, what would a oh bear wasn't that the next one? Was that I thought it was wolf? No, well, okay. no. After that, isn't that? Oh, it was a wolf then bear, bear there, and, and then we below because yes. it's the diamond. Yes. Well, I remember the patches. Yes. Uh, no, uh, not because Steve would choose to do, and I know he didn't. He asks questions uh, back uh, when his kids were of this age. Not, it, it has nothing to do if we would all do the exact same things. But Steve is talking. Ex there's no fear. In anything that he's talking about. It's about information and really know what's going on. There's not an ounce of propaganda. And that's what you have. As I've said, it's one thing I have the biological disagreements about what a vaccine actually does. But as much or more than that, and if you haven't learned that in the last two years, is they lie to you all the time about what their magic is supposed to do and how it does it that's why he's earned those badges over the last two years. Not because he would do the exact same thing I did. But because the truth is all out there, good, bad, otherwise, that's what medicine should be. And you, if you don't understand that by now, if you go back to the same thing and throw your kids into the same volcanoes as before without asking some new questions, I, I don't know what the hell to say. No, that was well, that was well described. And good, because I, I thought I, I was confusing myself there for a no, bit. No, okay. and I think the bottom line just kind of worldview wise and philosophically too is the people who who push vaccines to the point of there is no other there's no other alternative they're they're driven by a very different worldview they're driven uh, largely largely by um what ends up in utopianism like there are perfect like they believe in perfect outcomes i think it's quite easy to see though e even on our side people wearing our jerseys who are 
absolutely down to clown Mm -hmm. with the vaccines, Mm -hmm. it's important for them to think through this a little bit more carefully. We live in an imperfect world. We are imperfect people. There are no perfect outcomes, which means there are no perfect vaccines. There are no perfect, perfect vaccines. There's always going to be something that goes awry. Now, how awry... There's a vast chasm bef- between some vaccines and others, and I think even Todd would probably agree to that yep. uh, to some degree. There's a vast chasm, and we can talk about that. But I think the first step through getting through, and, and this conversation very much has to do with that, getting through some of the just magical thinking like, hello, anybody there about vaccines is understanding that there are no perfect outcomes in this world. And if you're being sold a utopian outcome... You're being sold. Um, you're being sold a sack of lies. It, there's a reason. This is why reinfection under the old strains that were more virulent for those that had natural immunity was very rare, and then having a serious reinfection, or was even rarer, and then people who actually got reinfected again, but it was worse than their previous one, almost was like non-existent anywhere in the world. Okay. And now when we have a truly attenuated, milder form of the virus and Omicron, there's a reason why you see it now. It's still not, uh, it is still somewhat rare for people that have natural immunity recently to get re with another strain to get reinfected with Omicron again. But like every one of those cases is milder. Every one of them are. So um, I think natural immunity went from like a 2% was pretty much the average of every study I saw of re- of, of infections um, under the previous strains, and it went to like nine or ten, which is still rare. That means like 90% of infections are not natural immunity, but not as rare as it once was. back here on the Steve Day Show. This portion of the show brought to you by our friends over at Tommy John. You know, when it comes to men's underwear, Tommy John is the total package. See what I did there? It happened. (laughs) You can't give me that low-lying fruit and then expect me not to go for it. Copyright Lindsey Graham. Anyway, back to Tommy John you are just the twelve-year-old boy right now. There I, is I, I no forty-eight-year-old man there. I am, but I. But you know what? Let me go ahead and just be serious for a second. <laughs> All right, and don't call me Shirley. Uh, I am. I'm wearing Tommy John right now. All right. I mean, I can't. Can I give it any better endorsement than that? I mean, there's a whole script here and different product lines that they want me to tell you about and everything else. Can I give it a better endorsement other than that's the underwear I'm wearing doing the show here today? And it's the underwear I was wearing doing the show yesterday and the day before that and the day before that. All right. So I'm, I'm not just an endorser here. I am a supporter. Huh? Huh? That's more G. That's more palatable. All right. So, hey, 20% off your first order if you want to try Tommy John. They've got stuff for the ladies, too. All right. So they've got a ladies line of underwear and loungewear as well. But I can't give Tommy John a better endorser, endorsement other than that's what I wear every single day. I, I just, it's a fantastic product. I've, I've gone back and bought it several times. 
myself after they gave me the first few pairs for free. TommyJohn.com is where you can go slash Steve. TommyJohn.com slash Steve. If you want to try it today, you haven't tried it yet, 20% off your first order at TommyJohn.com slash Steve. All right, Todd, you wanted to ask me something before I moved on with uh, with Feedback Friday. I did. Well, you were talking about, did that make sense? I mean, you basically tried to condense the last two years of all of what you've learned and everything, uh, which is no small task. But I guess I've said this on air before, and uh, you love these kind of questions, and I even asked you before, and can I ask it, do you think you have enough time? Because I don't know, you could end up potentially using the next half hour for this, but... How close are you to me now, based on everything you just said? I think the way to winnow it down to the bumper sticker question is, do you agree with me now that we would be better off had we not vaccinated anybody at all? I'm I'm 100% confident, based on all the research I've done and data I know, that we would be 100% better off if we had, if we had only targeted the most vulnerable demographics for these injections. I'm willing to go there. Which is much closer yeah. to my opinion than what we actually did. So, yeah. amen, I'm, brother. And, and I'm not entirely unwilling to get to your place. because, But, but I've got to look at the whole data. Not yeah. just, i got to look at the pre-Delta data. Pre-Delta, it was clear, you know? I mean, we can't sit here and affirmatively quote our buddy Kyle Lamb for two years to the point dude ends up getting a job working in governor mm-hmm. DeSantis's office. Mm-hmm. And then, and then if he gives us data, we don't like, then we're like, well, you know, we don't want to trust Kyle Lamb anymore. Right. And then we're like the people we hate. Right? right. I mean, I, I got a chance through Kyle to see Florida's exhaustive uh, jab data mm-hmm. pre Delta. All right. The early rollout about this time last year through say June. Mm hmm. And their numbers were exceedingly good in terms of where this went from a hospitalization standpoint, lethality standpoint. They started in the nursing homes. They went to the most vulnerable. It wasn't until well into the spring that they opened it up to the general public. Okay, Dude, You know, I acknowledge it all, too. So, I didn't deny it. So yeah. I, I cannot deny the data that I saw pre-Delta, but I have to also acknowledge the data post-Delta that... Something happened that made Delta worse. We had we had demonstrably more infections and demonstrably more deaths in 2021 than we had in 2020. All right. And and you cannot just sit there. Those that are saying, well, it's because we went locked down are the same people that saying, well, the flu went away in 2020 because we had masks. But the masks weren't making the covid go away. Right. But that, that, that just that's not true. OK, so. Not to mention near-term side effects of many kinds, and then long-term side yes. effects. Do our immune systems even work well anymore if we well, take this jab? That's the thing. This is the Garrett Bosch thing about not va- mass vaccinating yes. into a pandemic. Correct. Are you manipulating immune systems and make and, and weakening them because you're throwing up an inferior product? You're throwing a facsimile. You're throwing a karaoke singer up against you know, the chick that brings down the house at the opera house. Right. right. Okay. And, and so I'm hundred percent confident that we should not have, that we should have stopped mass vaccination. I even said this last summer, like a month into Delta, the numbers were clear. Something isn't right. We need to reboot this program, but I, I'm, I can't go yet to, we shouldn't have injected anybody with these because I, I'm not sure how to reconcile that with the data that I saw pre Delta. One possible way I can reconcile it is, that 
we had really, we, we were still into the, we were probably just beginning. We hadn't done children yet. We hadn't done, you know, teenagers yet. We weren't doing mass vaccination for uh, much of the country pre-Delta. Uh, a lot of let's, all right, all right, let's open it up and jab everybody almost to kind of coincides with dealt with Delta. All right. So that's one way to reconcile it is that, you know, maybe, maybe the severity of the Delta wave is not nearly as bad in the West if we weren't doing on these mass jabs, but it just stuck with, let's just make sure that's just concentrate on the people that are vulnerable. Which sounds like an actually good definition of healthcare instead of the spawn of satan that yeah, yeah. was sent down upon there's, us there's another part of this that they do they yeah. we're gonna have to force them to answer because well yeah because they basically people needed open heart surgery yes they decided because some people do we're gonna then rip everybody out does. all your yes. chests yeah it, that, yes everybody's a nail now and we're a hammer yeah. here's a question here, here's how, here's what i would need to answer your question and i think it would answer your question how many people did we inject with these that had active natural immunity. <laughs> that, okay. we, what I mean by that, that... We don't know that right now. Yes. It's just a crime against humanity. When, when I, remember what I was saying at this time last year. Where are the updated serological... Yeah. Before we even knew what a Delta wave was, or I'd never studied Merrick's chickens or ADE. I was asking it on this show at this time last year, because like I'm like, let's get to herd immunity. If we got these things and they work, let's get to herd immunity as fast as we possibly can and, and enjoy the next spring and summer. We were having these conversations on this show this time last year. Go back to the archives and find them. And I'm screaming and yelling about where are the antibody exams? Where's the serological sur- uh, surveys? Why Don't we need to know who doesn't have it? Because those are who you need to vaccinate. That's a traditional vaccination program. Mm-hmm. Okay. So... One thing that could really answer your question is, how many people did we inject with this that had natural immunity and even an active form of it? Meaning that if I went and got an antibody test, it would still show antibodies from that infection. Because what does that do? Because here's the thing. What, wasn't there a study, that, and, and they were promoting this, that this doesn't throw out the traditional antibodies. We've been telling you this. It, it, it produces the spike protein, Right. What does that do to your body if you've already got antibodies for this infection and I'm, and I'm re-injecting these spiked, I'm re-prompting and provoking this spiked protein response into my, bo- in, in, in my system? What does that do? Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. We, and we, there, we don't know because we've never done this before in all of human history. Does it weaken your immune system? Does it alter your immune system genetically? The answer to that question, I think, would help me to get a definitive answer to your question. Because the answer, is, if the answer clearly ties into, we injected these things into so many people that had active forms of natural immunity and therefore ended up weakening the collective immunity, we ended up weakening the herd immunity instead, then the answer to your question is yes. I think. We should probably ask Heather McDonald. There you go. That'll preach. All right, folks, if you are struggling with excessive sweat, we've got the solution for you. It's our friends over at SweatBlock. Take one of their little wipes, put them under your pits before you go to bed, and you're good to go uh, for several days, sometimes for the rest of the work week. Uh, They've got other great products as well that I have tried. Their deodorant is a fantastic product. In fact, I'm taking it with me. We're going on a family vacation uh, down to uh, Florida here in a couple of weeks. 
and the long range forecast shows highs at about 70, 75. You know, for living in the winter, though, that's going to feel like, you know, 80, 85. So I'll be taking the sweat block deodorant down there with me. So I'm not excessively sweating all over the place. That's a fantastic product. They've got uh, lotions, deodorant lotions as well for those more sensitive places that can get swampy. Uh, you can use swamp, sweat block literally anywhere on your body and it will work to stop excessive sweating, not turn you into a zombie so you don't sweat at all. Okay. Is there extra strength version called swamp block? <laughs> It's called the Solomon Grundy line. <laughs> All right, you you put the sweat block on and then you go to a CrossFit for an hour and like nothing happened, right? Born on a Monday. <laughs> that, that's what you do, right? Yes. All right, so folks, sweatblock.com. Promo code DACE is where you want to go to get 20% off. Sweatblock.com with the promo code DACE. Let's go back to the Feedback Friday. This is Mark King. He is a... A doctor of pharmacy retired as a retired pharmacist. I appreciate your efforts to cast light on the many horrific healthcare atrocities that have been going on during this pandemic. But I disagree with your assertion that pharmacists don't have the right to refuse to fill a specific prescription for concern of the health of the patient. I once received a prescription for a product that was evidently to be used to produce an abortion. The prescription as written called for this oral tablet to be inserted vaginally into the patient. This was a med that was known to cause abortions for this type of action, but was not intended to be used as an abortifacient. I refused to fill it. I would do so today if I was still practicing. I would not fill a prescription that was intended to kill a human being. Well, let me stop right there. Mark, you're arguing from the other side of the, of the equation here. You're arguing whether a pharmacist has the right to not fill a prescription they are confident will harm or kill uh, another person or a patient. Abortion only kills Abortifacients only kill. They don't do anything else. So they would they would fall into that category 100% of the time. Abortion only kills. That's all that it does. And then, of course, the, the, the first early pivotal scene, and it's a wonderful life, where the pharmacist he gets a cable that his son has died, ironically, of Spanish flu. Okay? And he's broken up and he's destroyed and he has ac- accidentally, I think, put the rat poison in uh, the old lady's uh, uh, prescription and George Bailey, the young George Bailey recognizes it and recognizes that he's out of his mind and doesn't send the prescription. Okay. That's a case where we know that, that treating somebody with that is bad. At the very least poison will make them sick. If not kill them. Ivermectin is safer than Tylenol. Hydroxychloroquine has been FDA approved for going on 60 years. It just doesn't apply to this conversation. These are only medicines. They're not even a dual use. Right? There's, there's no dual use for a rat poison. There's no dual use for an abortifacient. They just kill or hurt or harm in the case of the poison. All an abortifacient does is kill. These things have saved millions of lives on this earth in previous capacities. They may not work for everyone, although I've got about now, I think, 70 studies worldwide that show that they will work for almost everybody that starts them early enough. But that's the worst case. They don't work. Just, they that, don't that's kill right. you. That's right. You know, if I've, got, if, if I've got a brain tumor, but I don't know that yet, and I just think it's a really bad headache, 
and I, you know, I take a, I take a, a few ibuprofen and my headache, my headache may not go away, but you know, taking three, 200 milligram ibuprofen isn't going to kill me. Right. 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 It's, it's just not the same thing, Mark. And in, in, in these cases, pharmacists are getting in the way of specific, we all agree it's not like, oh, no, I, they, they prescribed ivermectin and it was rat poison. Let me step in so that doesn't... We all would agree, do that. Right. They're actively looking at the medications that have proven to be effective and safe in numerous other capacities. And then making their own unilateral decision, they will not be effective and safe in this one. Based on what expertise? Well, the CDC guidelines... They're never wrong. I mean, why should we even have a physician then? Why don't we, why don't we all just get a computer chip and go in front of the a mass, com, a, a, you know, a supercomputer called CDC guidelines and have it treat us? Well, they're working on that. Steve. Well, yeah, I know. Right after robot umpires. But but that but brother, I applaud you, Mark, for what you did in this case. They were asking you to take part in a murder. They asked you to be an accessory to murder, Mark. Because all this was going to do was murder a person. These are medications. We know they are effective. They've won like Nobel Prizes and saved millions of lives. So we know at the very least they're safe. So this is now a pharmacist making a unilateral decision to not grant you what are known to be safe treatments that may or may not be effective. By what right does a pharmacist have that? None is the answer. You want to practice medicine, go to med school. But you're a pharmacist, not a doctor. That's not your job. And that's why we're going to sue their asses for it. And we're suing them right now. Final thoughts. Oh, right into it, huh? Uh, final thoughts. Well, uh, thank you um, to all the people. I got to back to as many as I could, but the people are showing their uh, support uh, for my daughter and what she's doing. Uh, have you, if you have daughters, uh, even if you don't, but if you believe in this, contact your legislators, not just in the state of Iowa, but across the country, because this is going on in other places. Enough is enough. Put your trucker hat on. Form your convoy on a multitude of issues and win the game. Amen. Amen. You know, there's uh, <clears throat> Justin Trudeau, I'm sorry, Justin Castro is uh, saying he'll do whatever it takes to break up the uh, trucker protest. That thing got, got more attention from an entire nation, I believe, than... Most of our feeble efforts here in the United States did of one highly paid bureaucrat. They know, those truckers know, really who brings the caviar. Who brings the caviar to the king? That'd be us. So we're not going to do that. We're going to gum everything up until you until you start to talk to us and we can have a conversation and, and, and treat each other like polite people. That's the kind of attitude that they that they need or that we need I should say they went way beyond way beyond uh way beyond just defensive posturing and went straight for the jugular 
Well said. Have a great weekend. See you Monday, John 317. This is Steve Dace. On the Blaze Radio Network.